Hello, sweethearts. Welcome to Love Letters 2. I'm Alicia. Hi, I'm Melissa. We're so glad you're joining us today. We have two new love letters to the unexpected and delightful. What an amazing week from unlucky days, Ides of March, to lucky ones, St. Patrick's Day. Speaking of lucky days, Melissa, I wanted to give a little love today to Leanne, who sent us the nicest email, who is doing amazing work out there in the world and took the time to send us just the kindest words of love that filled our hearts today with a little love and luck. We are so lucky to have listeners like Leanne and all of you out in the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Melissa, I know you're excited about your story. We may have been singing some songs from the parent (laughs) trap yesterday just to get ready. Tell me your love letter. Okay. I cannot wait to tell you my love letter. And yes, I was singing again this morning. So I can tell you my uh, second grader will be happy if I can stop doing that soon, but no promises. Dear Maureen O'Hara, on this most Irish days, is there anyone who embodies the beauty and spirit of the Irish quite as much as you? I think not. No, I don't either. You were born Maureen Fitzsimmons in Dublin on August 17th, 1920. You were the second child of Charles and Margarita. Your father was a businessman and part owner of Ireland's famous soccer team, the Shamrock Rovers. I'm sure you guys called it football, though. (laughs) Your mother of renowned beauty was a woman's clothier and an accomplished operatic contralto. I had no idea. No doubt your mother's beauty and talent is something you inherited. You learned to dance when you were only five years old and loved to perform in public. So you were involved in drama and theater at an early age. By the age of 14, you had joined the renowned Abbey Theater and began living your dream of acting, dancing, and singing. And of course, we know that was just the beginning of your amazing career. You made your way to Hollywood and became one of the most beloved actors of your time. And I would like to say of all time because we admire you still today. It's not just your unique and fiery beauty that took Hollywood by storm. It was your passionate and strong-willed personality. You were tough while still being incredibly feminine. You were sophisticated and glamorous, yet down-to-earth and accessible. You had some mystery and aloofness about you, but you always made it clear that there was nothing you could not do, no leading man you could not outshine, and no role you couldn't master. One of your favorite leading men, John Wayne, with whom you starred in favorites like Rio Grande, The Quiet Man, The Wings of Eagles, McClintock, and Big Jake said of you, quote, there's only one woman who has been my friend over the years. And by that, I mean a real friend like a man would be. That woman is Maureen O'Hara. She's big, lusty, and absolutely marvelous. Definitely my kind of woman. She's a great guy. I've had many friends, and I prefer the company of men, except for Maureen O'Hara. Your natural beauty and determination were appreciated by everyone you worked with. Your red hair, green eyes, and fiery charisma made it seem as if you were right there, alive, in front of the audience, instead of on a screen. And although there were many other beautiful actresses during your time, you always stood out. Many of the other glamorous beauties had a very similar look about them, 
or at least a look they were striving to achieve. But you, Maureen O'Hara, none of them could look like you, no matter how much they tried. And you clearly weren't trying to look like any of them either. It was this natural beauty, grace, and charm that gave you the popular nickname, the Queen of Technicolor. You chose roles that reflected your own strong and courageous spirit and who never took a backseat to the men around them. In keeping with your fearless and plucky nature, you actually did all of your own stunts. In the 1950 Technicolor Western Comanche Territory, you became an expert with the American bullwhip used by your character, Katie Howard, who owned the saloon. I love that you always called yourself a tough Irish lass and stood firm in the conviction of never compromising your respect and reputation to land the roles that you deserved through your merit. You proved this many times over by standing up against the improper and disrespectful treatment of men in Hollywood long before it was a common thing to do. You're going to like this story, Alicia. During the filming of A Bill of Divorcement, director John Farrow would not leave Maureen alone. He kept making constant unwanted advances toward her, and eventually she had had enough. When she couldn't get him to stop, she punched him square in his jaw. And I say, well, John, you were warned. When a fiery redhead tells you to back off, you really back should off. just back off. That's right. Seems like good life advice. Yes. Well, Maureen, you started in one of my favorite childhood movies, and Alicia's too, The Parent Trap. With so Haley good. Mills. So good. And Brian Keith. I could watch that movie over and over again. And I did when I was a kid. I was mostly in awe of Haley Mills, of course, but I was also fascinated by your elegance and beauty. And I loved rooting for you over the evil gold digging girlfriend, Vicky, who was trying to marry the dad. She did not stand a chance against you. Haley Mills reminisced about her experience with you on The Parent Trap. And here's what she said. She was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I remember I was very in awe of her in the beginning. She was so very real and down to earth. She was very Irish. She was very warm and demonstrative and extremely talkative. She never stopped talking and laughing and hugging you. She was a real force of nature. When she walked on set, there was this energy telling us that Maureen had arrived and she was so beautiful. I couldn't take my eyes off of her when I first met her. It was all natural too. She took her beauty for granted, but I never did because I had never seen anyone so beautiful. Oh, that is so lovely. So lovely. You have always been very proud of your Irish family and heritage. And you would often say, above all else, deep in my soul, I'm a tough Irish woman. And yes, Maureen, you certainly were. I want to mention a few honors you received in your life. In 1988, you received an honorary degree from the National University of Ireland. You were the first woman to receive the John F. Kennedy Memorial Award for being an outstanding American of Irish descent for service to God and country. You were, of course, given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 2005, you were named the Irish American of the Year. In 2014, you received an honorary Oscar from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. But really, none of these awards and acknowledgments do justice to the impact you had. You lived a long life, but after 95 years on this earth, you died on October 24th in your sleep at your home in Boise, Idaho. Although you outlived almost everyone that you had worked with, 
The tributes for you when the word of your death got out were numerous and lovely. The priest who performed your eulogy said, Maureen was very intelligent, multi-talented, witty, humorous, beautiful, compassionate, outgoing, strong-willed, courageous with the fiery spirit of the Vikings and the untamable spirit of the Normans with a little smidgen or pinch of arrows. All the qualities that one would expect in any Irish Colleen. If that's not a tribute, I have never heard one. And very touchingly, the Shannon Rovers Irish pipe band played music at your funeral from The Quiet Man. I'm going to end this letter to you, Maureen O'Hara, with the words of your grandson, with whom you lived during the last years of your life. The one thing I think my grandmother was proud of most was being Irish, because that meant to her something that nobody could take from her. It was in her heart. It was in her soul. It was in her spirit. Ireland was her heart, he said. Then he added that she had taught him the lesson that when the times get tough, that's when the Irish get going. Here's to you, Maureen O'Hara, you Irish goddess that stood true to yourself and lived a life you were proud of. You charmed the biggest leading men of Hollywood, were adored by movie fans all over the world, handled a bullwhip expertly, and never forgot who you were and where you came from. So on this St. Patrick's Day, we honor you. Melissa, as a Irish lass myself in all of my DNA, that was a beautiful story. Thank you. I love her, Maureen I love her too. I know. She was so unique and just absolutely beautiful. One of a kind. Yes. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I have a, another kind of Irish love letter today. See you on the flip. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Alicia, you have a love letter for us today. I do. Dear Luck, you are just a simple four-letter noun with so much implied in those tiny four letters. The Cambridge Dictionary defines you, Luck, as the force that causes things, especially good things, to happen to you by chance and not as a result of your own efforts or abilities. That may be the definition, but as a collective group of human beings through time, in all generations, in all cultures, in every society, people have felt a lot of ways about luck. Rod Stewart sings that some guys have all the luck. Mary Chapin Carpenter joyfully belts out, I feel lucky. 
Frank Sinatra croons his wish that luck be a lady tonight. I don't know if luck has a gender, but we sure do talk about luck a lot. Are we born with it? Do we create our own? Do we carry it with us? Is there such a thing as good luck or bad luck? With almost 8 billion people on earth, is it luck that makes us do the things that we do? Is luck all a matter of perception? Do you have luck if you just simply believe that you do? Or does good fortune follow a good attitude if you're looking to get lucky? Melissa, there are a lot of thoughts on this throughout time. I'm going to bring a few of those from some famous thinkers, writers, and other brainy types and what they've had to say about luck. We have a few who've quipped who may be a little envious and jealous when luck happens to someone else. Jean Cocteau said, we must believe in luck for how else can we explain the success of those we don't like? Well, yes, it can't be because of their merits, right? Mark Twain interruption. Well, right. It is strange the way that ignorant and inexperienced so often and so undeservedly succeed when the informed and the experienced fail. Some are absolute believers in luck in their own way. I do have another quote here from Mark Twain. This is from a letter to Henry H. Rogers from 1895. Twain writes, the proverb says, born lucky, always lucky. And I am very superstitious. As a small boy, I was notoriously lucky. It was usual for one or two of our lads per annum to get drowned in the Mississippi or in Bear Creek. But I was pulled out in two thirds drowned condition nine times before I learned to swim and was considered to be a cat in disguise. (laughs) Wow, that is quite a story. Some other folks believe that luck is made. You make your own. Even back in the old time ancient days, Seneca, the grand writer and philosopher, said that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Benjamin Franklin will chime in on this, adding that diligence is the mother of good luck. Thomas Jefferson will continue. I'm a great believer in luck. And I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. Ralph Waldo Emerson will write that good luck is another name for tenacity of purpose. Frank A. Clark will quip, it's hard to detect good luck. It looks so much like something you've earned. Even the great thinker Ovid will write that luck affects everything. Let your hook always be cast in the stream where you least expect it there will be a fish. Those folks believe if you're looking for luck, you're going to find it. The harder your work, the more easily it's going to come to you. That with a positive attitude is hard to beat. But right, is it luck or is it magic? Should we be looking for it? Does it come to us if we do? Tennessee Williams will write that luck is believing you're lucky. It's that simple. Roald Dahl will write that those who don't believe in magic will never find it. I don't know. Is our fate, our destiny, our fortune all part of a universal plan? The Dalai Lama will write that remember that sometimes not getting what you want is a wonderful stroke of luck. That's the truth. You don't know it at the time, but becomes clear later. 
We've got one more Twain to close it out from our grand thinkers here. Mark Twain had a lot to say about this. I love Mark Twain. He will write in August of 1904 in a letter to Samuel Moffat. Indeed, none but the deity can tell what is good luck and what is bad before the returns are all in. (laughs) That's smart. True. Now, Melissa, we cannot pass this episode without talking about the magically delicious Lucky Charms cereal. Lucky Charms is a cereal brand does launch in 1964, designed by John Holahan, who will develop this brand new cereal idea based on his love of two things, Cheerios and circus peanuts, that old time candy. Huh. Okay. Lucky Charms does premiere in 1964 with an advertising campaign that probably picked something up from our Mr. Potato Head episode Mm -hmm. that we covered not too long ago. There were full color ads in the Sunday comics and comic books. Lucky Charms as a cereal is composed of oat pieces in the shapes of bells, fish, arrowheads, and clovers with marshmallow additions called Marbits. Mm-hmm. And then the Marbits contained X's, green clovers, pink hearts, orange stars, and yellow moon marshmallows. Right. Are you a fan of Lucky Charms cereal? I love Lucky Charms. It's magically delicious. It. <laughs> I love the commercial. <laughs> Lucky the Leprechaun, of course, comes with the package. Even after 58 years, Lucky is still going strong. Although there was a little kerfuffle in the mid 1970s when Lucky the Leprechaun almost lost his gig to Waldo the Wizard. No. So there's the luck of the Irish for you. Back off, Waldo. Is there something to having a physical representation that you can hold on to to bring you luck? Are lucky charms a thing? On our social media this week, we did do a call out for listeners to tell us about their lucky charms and Melissa, our sweethearts have them. So many listeners have a little, a little gree to keep them safe from harm. Gree is one of my favorite words. I'm going to define this one for Miriam Webster. Gree is a talisman, an amulet, a voodoo charm, a spell, an incantation believed capable of warding off evil and bringing good luck to oneself or of bringing misfortune to another. Mm. Our friend Cindy, mm-hmm. she carries in a necklace some of her father's ashes that she wears on big days in her life. She has worn that for three interviews and gotten every single job. That's lovely, Cindy. Christina, her daughter, has a lucky charm. Last summer, sadly, they had to put their beloved dog, Duncan, down. And he had always been with Christina's daughter since birth. And after that, Christina gave her daughter a few items to help with the grief, including a stuffed replica of Duncan and a pair of socks with Duncan's picture. Every single basketball game that Christina's kid has, she wears those Duncan socks and they bring her good luck. She scored in every single game. Great job, Duncan, bringing her good luck. Megan will wear her grandmother's diamond ring when she needs a few extra good vibes. It's never let her down. Joy, 
maybe there's a little bit of Irish in her. She keeps some holy water, not only in her car, but also in her purse. Okay. Just to be prepared I mean, in case of all emergencies. Right. Our friend Brooke, she wears her husband's baby ring on a chain Aww. every day around her neck. That's very sweet. Gina, her nails are her talisman, her gree her good luck. She loves getting into the art and the color and the shapes. Having fantastic nails brings her all the confidence and luck in the world. Just a few more here. Sarah, our friend, got a little plushy horse from her husband for Christmas two decades ago. And that's the thing that brings her luck. Our friend Michelle says for her, luck happens with her cookie monster socks. <laughs> she wears them for every big, important bicycle thing she's got, and they've never let her down. That's amazing. Alessandra has her Nana's ring for good luck. And I want to end here with this one. When Alessandra is feeling like she just can't, or she's feeling sorry for herself, she remembers a woman who came of age while her country was under siege participated in the resistance, even though she didn't have the right to vote until she was 25, didn't have control over her reproductive rights, buried two children, raised six children in a two-bedroom apartment, and still had the biggest laugh in the room. That's wonderful. Anyone like that, I think, could bring us some luck. Here's to you, luck, and all of you too, sweethearts, whatever you call it, luck, fate, destiny, the stars, good fortune, wherever you find it and however you carry it. Paraphrasing here from the immortal Jimmy Buffett to close out from his song, Love and Luck. Everybody needs a little good luck charm. A little gree keeps you safe from harm. And with a little love and luck, we will get by. Yes, we will. Wishing you all a little love and luck, dear ones, on this St. Patrick's Day. Thank you so much for listening today to our love letters to Maureen O'Hara and luck. Until we meet again on Tuesday, darlings. Stay in love. And go ahead and take the luck with you, too. Never hurt a soul. No, it didn't. Happy St. Patrick's Day. See you next week, friends. Thanks for listening to Love Letters 2, a Hemlock Creatives production. Feel like showing some love to Love Letters 2? We'd love it if you tell a friend or leave us a kind review or even come and visit us on social media. You can find us at Instagram or Facebook at Love Letters 2 Podcast. You can also reach out and email us at loveletters2podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at loveletters2podcast.com. Until we meet again in the next episode, darlings, stay in love.